0: Today's episode contains graphic images and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. Yeah. We're here recording for you guys on a Saturday, a little bit hungover. How are you feeling, Darcy?
1: I'm actually good. I haven't drank t- yet today. Uh, that, that didn't sound great for me. Um, I don't normally drink every day, but I do normally drink when we do this. Um, but I am going to get on my bike trainer and work out later today, so I have not had a drink yet.
0: Okay, then. So we're both sober, and (laughs) this podcast (laughs) may not be as interesting, but (laughs) needless to say, we're gonna give it our best shot. Um, For those of you who didn't know, we are a strange and slightly funny duo of ladies just talking about strange stuff, crazy cases, interesting things, fascinating topics, a lot of true crime, some paranormal, some aliens, some other wild, weird, and bizarre stuff. If it's Any of those things we're going to talk about on this podcast. Darcy and I have a very interesting episode planned for today. We're going to start it out talking about uh, the Ted Bundy. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Interesting. Um, Yay or nay on this movie, what do you think?
1: Um, I kind of judged it in two parts because I was about halfway through. And I texted my friend and I was like, okay, I'm halfway through this movie. Do you want my opinion? And fortunately she said no, because my opinion was going to be that this movie is not any good. But when they got to the trial scene, from the trial, basically from when he was arrested in Florida to the end of the movie, I thought it was fantastic. Fantastic. They did such a good job. They were spot on in terms of um, the representation and portrayals. Lily Collins was incredible. To me, she was the best part of the movie. She's the one that plays the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, she was fantastic throughout the whole thing. And Zach Efron was kind of like, meh. Like,
0: Shockingly creepy, though.
1: Yeah, he he was he did a very good job of being creepy. And he was a really good pick because you can see that he has that like charisma. Um, and that was what they were kind of trying to portray. But the first half of the movie, I, I thought everything was just kind of fine. It well, wasn't particularly amazing. But the trial was incredible, I thought.
0: I thought he did a good job of humanizing Ted Bundy a little bit. Um, just because, to me, he's a monster. He's a freak of nature and a fucking monster. So Zach Efron humanized him in many ways.
1: And, and that, that's a really contentious point. Because a lot of people think that they're trying to portray Ted Bundy in a good light.
0: I thought they did because that movie actually made me think for a split second. Um, For me, I thought it was interesting because it made me think even if just for a split second, what if he really didn't do it? And then I was like, nah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, that's the thing. Like, so a lot of people are pissed because they think that it's trying to show him as a romantic or that he was really a nice guy or humanized, whatever. But they're kind of forgetting, or maybe they just don't know, that the movie is based on the girlfriend's book that she wrote. Yes. Which is actually out of out of print. Like, I would love to get it. But I think it went out of print in, like, 81 or something. Um, Personally? So it's telling her perspective of right. being the girlfriend and having your boyfriend, who you thought was this um, – You know, he's a really successful law student. He is um, active in politics and he's doing a lot of stuff that you just don't see this violent side of him. And so to me, it was telling that story. She was a victim, too, you know, and and for everybody that says, like, you have to consider the victims. That's certainly true. But she's also a victim and her story deserves to be told as well. And that's why I thought it was good.
0: In my opinion, I did not care for the movie. Um, I felt that it gave too many like just scene after scene after scene after scene of her drinking and crying and oh my god poor me it just was like a fucking pity party for her and it's like get over yourself and move the fuck on he didn't murder you so you're fine move on you didn't witness any or experience any of the violence
1: yeah but I think the the thought of living with somebody and having an intimate relationship with somebody and trusting somebody with your kid and then finding out they're capable of doing all of this stuff. That's pretty terrifying. And she did actually have an alcohol problem after this.
0: Well, I did not feel sympathy for her. I felt like I was annoyed by her. Because how stupid could you be not to see any of this or suspect anything? And maybe that's me coming with the whole murderino, true crime background, and how I'm suspicious of fucking everything. I always have been. Maybe I'm just being too critical on that. But I just find it very hard to believe that she didn't suspect a thing.
1: I mean, that's a pretty hot take I haven't heard before. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, the trusting thing... I think that people probably were more trusting in the seventies. I mean, that's when everybody was hitchhiking and all this stuff. And I don't know. I, I think that they did. I personally think they did a really good job of showing both sides of him, especially in that very, very last scene when she's asking him what happened to that woman's head. And he says and hacksaw. Wr- right. Hacksaw into the window. And then spoiler it, alert. Well, <laughs> And then it, it it cuts to it's interspersed with the scene of him attacking that woman. I, so I think they did a really good job of showing the dichotomy there. And I understand why people don't like it in the sense of I mean it's showing a good side, quote unquote, of Ted Bundy, but I don't th- I don't actually think that it does. And I think like. At this point, to me, everybody knows about Ted Bundy. Everybody's heard at least something about Ted Bundy. And if you're watching it because Zac Efron is in it, you're not really the the target audience. Like, those aren't people that... that really want to see Ted Bundy's story. And if you don't know anything about it and you're about him and you're watching it because you think Zach Efron's hot. Okay. Maybe you end up not thinking Ted Bundy's such a bad guy, but I just don't think that that's the majority of the audience.
0: Maybe you need me to punch you in the face. If that's the reason you're watching. Just kidding.
1: Oh. <laughs> when uh, the Bundy tapes came out, um, the documentary series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's when everybody was like, I mean, Ted Bundy's so hot, blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. Um, And I tweeted, and I was like, you know, if being a serial killer and a necrophiliac doesn't turn you off, consider the fact that he had a unibrow and was a Republican. And then I had some girl who I don't know who it is, doesn't follow me, I don't follow her, hops in my Twitter and is like going back and forth with me about um, that's not what you should be getting from this. And I'm like, bitch, I don't know you. I made a joke. I don't think Ted Bundy's hot. And then she fucking subtweets me. Oh my god! On her own profile, and was like, I can't believe there's still people out there that are apologizing for Ted Bundy. Who's like, apologizing? No, fuck you! I wasn't. I wasn't. I was making a joke about the fact that he has a unibrow and is categorically unattractive. Hell yeah! I do not find him attractive at all. And also, he's a necrophiliac. That's one part that nobody ever talks about.
0: I think the movie went a little bit too far in kind of glamorizing him. Um, and when I say that, I mean that they just, they humanized him, which I guess is effective and sort of portraying the whole picture of the person because he wasn't just a killer. He was a person as well, but I think it just went a little bit too far in that direction and really kind of missed the, the true point of who he was a sick fuck. I think it it went too far in the other direction.
1: I think it showed who he was to her. Well, her experience of going to the trial and, Hearing him say they have the wrong person, it was just a mixed up blah, 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 and her believing this, and then realizing that, no, this is something that has been happening, and it, it's something that follows him when he went to Utah, when he goes to Colorado, when he went to Florida. It's something that follows him, and right. realizing that it can't just be coincidence.
0: Right, and I get it. He was charming. He was manipulative. He was a liar. He, was, he knew how to work people and play the system, but at the same time, I just didn't think that it showed – much, if any, of his dark side in an accurate right, or just, maybe uh, as a way. But again, it's from her perspective and not necessarily from, you know, anything else. Yes. So I get that. But I think it just went a little too far in the other direction. That's all. That's my opinion.
1: And that's fair. And I think if you're somebody that thinks Ted Bundy is attractive, then this movie's not changing your opinion. But I also don't think anything's going to change your opinion. No. You know what I mean?
0: Although, I mean, I find Zac Efron slightly attractive, but um, he's just,
1: super attractive.
0: Having seen the pictures and the the tapes and everything with Ted Bundy, I just, I don't find his brand of men, his brand of masculinity attractive at all.
1: Uh, I don't find people with unibrows attractive. Me
0: either. And jacked up teeth. Teeth are like a huge thing yeah. for me. If you've got jacked up teeth.
1: Eh, you're you're already done right there his top teeth were fine it was his bottom teeth that were all fucked up no
0: way his top teeth was like fucking chipped
1: oh that's right it was gross i'm just like i'm just remembering the um the mold of his bottom teeth
0: yeah those were way wonky
1: yeah that was super fucked up you gotta fix that shit
0: anything else on this particular topic before i move on to the true show topic for the day
1: No, other than I did like the fact in the credits that they showed the actual footage so you could see just how accurate everybody was. And John Malkovich as the judge was incredible. I just
0: like seeing the original footage. That to me was most interesting.
1: Yeah. Like just the, and the scene when, um, when he's really cocky when the guy's reading the indictment. Oh my God. That was awful. Zach Efron nailed that scene
0: when I saw this, cause I had never seen that in real life before. When I saw Zac Efron do the scene, I was like, no way he didn't do that. But then when I watched the scene afterward, I was like, he really fucking did that.
1: Like that kind of behavior. I want to like punch somebody like that in the face. Like, shut the fuck up. Let me talk. Just being disrespectful at this point.
0: Yeah. Well, he knew that he could get away with it. Yep. So anyway, interesting dialogue, interesting movie getting people yet again to have this crazy psychopath's name on their lips and
1: keeping him alive just a little bit more um one yeah, thing I it's just i think it's just because it's 30 years since he was executed you know it's like just everybody bringing it up in the, in the anniversary
0: well one thing i did contemplate when i saw the end of the movie was he has a child out there yep. somewhere yep ted bundy has a fucking child
1: and, and i'm sure you can find that information. I've not seen it, but I haven't looked for it. I'm sure somebody in the deep depths of Reddit or something has found that information.
0: Right. But, and I would never disclose that information, but mm-mm. I do find it interesting that he was allowed enough freedom to fuck that girl and create a baby with his blood running around there somewhere.
1: I think, uh, that you would be surprised about what goes on in prison what they let go on in prison.
0: I don't think I would be surprised. I think I would be horrified <laughs> and disgusted, but nonetheless, right. um, my curiosity is picked, uh, peaked, picked. Yeah. However you want to say it. Peek. Um, with respect to this young, it, it was a girl, right?
1: Or was it what? a son? Her? His I think child. It was I, think I
0: it was would a girl. want to hear her story. And if she has any thoughts about her dad and, and, and with that, I think we've pretty much covered off on all we need to. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, today's topics. Today we've got some cool stuff to talk about. Some, I think, more obscure cases. I know that there are a lot of cases out there that pretty much have been beaten to death by every single podcast that ever was. So we're, we're trying to go in from a different angle and get you guys some more unique, provocative, and compelling cases that maybe you haven't heard of before. I'm starting it out with this young lady named Ingrid Lynn. And this case happened a couple years ago, um, in my hometown. So the case that I have chosen to do for today is Ingrid Lynn. Um, this was a murder that happened in the state that I am from. Ingrid Marie Lynn was born August 2nd, 1975. She was a nurse from Renton, Washington, Um, And her case, this only happened a couple of years ago, so it's pretty recent. Um, John Robert Carlton was arrested for her murder and charged with it. Uh, We're going to get into that in a little bit more detail later. Um, But initially, just a little bit of background information about Ingrid Lynn. She was a 1993 graduate of Canyon Del Oro High School in Tucson, Arizona. Um, We'll post some pictures of her up on the website. I believe her maiden name is Runzeville, Runzevia. I'm not exactly sure how to say it. Um, It's a little bit more of a complicated name, but her married name was Lynn. Um, She received a Bachelor of Science degree in nursing in 1997 from the University of Arizona. And then she moved to Washington State in 2000 and lived there for about 13 years, where she was married, obviously. Until she was divorced in 2014. Her ex husband's name was Philip. At the time of her death, she was a nurse at Seattle Swedish Medical Center. So,
1: Seattle Swedish?
0: Yes. Oh, okay. Um, Interestingly enough, John Carlton, the man who was arrested with her uh, murder. Was a homeless day laborer and he had a criminal record in six states, including convictions for aggravated robbery, felony, theft, grand theft auto, assault, and third degree larceny. So, this guy had a pretty significant criminal record. And what is larceny? Theft, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, it's just some states call it different things. Oh, gotcha. Let's just double check on that, so I don't sound like a complete fucking moron <laughs> If I'm wrong That's what I asked, if you have the, you I, have the water. I was pretty sure that it was theft. let's just just another word for theft, yeah, theft of personal property, Oh, okay, okay, so for those of you who don't know what larceny is, it's theft of personal property, just another way to say theft um. This is interesting because when you hear about this John Charlton guy, or Carlton, I'm not sure if it's Carlton or Charlton. It's C-H-A-R-L-T-O-N. I'd probably say that's Charlton. Charlton. Anyway, yeah, that's what I would guess. I don't really think he deserves to have his name pronounced correctly anyway because he's a dick and a murderer. Um, needless to say, I don't think that Ingrid had true knowledge or any real understanding of who this guy really was. And this brings up a whole shit ton of topics that we really uh, need to kind of unpack and discuss on the show today with with respect to dating, online dating, and how scary it is because you really don't know a lot about the people that you are meeting and talking to and sometimes going out on dates with. Uh but. Lynn and Charlton met through an online dating website and had been dating for about a month when they first met. It was my understanding that the site they met through was Plenty of Fish... It does not say that here in the article, but I've heard that that's the site that they met through. Now, I know that a lot of these online dating sites do not do criminal background checks, and they don't really do any background checks at all. I mean, you can go on these sites and sign up for a profile, and you could be a serial killer for all they know. Yep. Um, And – you got to put your name and information, in, but you can bypass that in a lot of different ways. Um, and I know that plenty of fish is a free dating website, so it's not as though you have to enter credit card information or personal information of any kind in order to get on those sites and develop a profile and start talking to people.
1: Yeah. It's not like they do like extensive background checks and, and a lot of those websites, like you don't even know the person's full name. No. Um, like I understand for security reasons, but also you it prevents you from finding out more information, which I guess is good or bad, but in this situation it's bad.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a scary world out there, especially after hearing like cases like this one. But evidently, right. um Ingrid was last seen by her friends April eighth, twenty sixteen, and was reported missing the next day. Later that day, responding to a call from a homeowner, police found several of her dismembered body parts, including a severed head, foot, arm, and leg in a Seattle recycling bin. Oh my God. The recycling bin was approximately 10 miles from her home. On April 15th, more severed body parts were found by a garbage collector in a different location. Although the remains have not been identified as a match to Lynn at this point on April 9th, Lynn's ex-husband arrived at the victim's home to drop off their children. No one answered the door. He then proceeded to call her mother, who subsequently arrived with a key and searched the residence. Ingrid's wallet, purse, and cell phone were found in the home, but she was not there. So they used the cell phone in the residence to send texts to Charlton and then called the police, who discovered the blood, human tissue, and pruning saw in Lynn's bathroom, her own bathroom, As well as trash.
1: Her family didn't go into the bathroom when they were looking for her?
0: I think they did. But they just left everything realizing that it was a crime scene and then the police came in and found all this stuff and cataloged it because how could you not find that? Right? It doesn't specifically say that here in this article, which is from Wikipedia. And Wikipedia doesn't have necessarily the best reputation for – I mean granted they tell a lot of facts and it's where a lot of people get their information from. But they don't necessarily tell things in an accurate order or speak to facts in the case in the way that they were actually discovered. But needless to say – um, the police found trash bags identical to those that Lynn's severed body parts were found in. Um, followed Following an examination of the body parts, the King County Coroner's Office stated that her death was a result of homicidal violence. And the scary part about this is on April 18th, additional body parts were found in a third Seattle location and they await identification. So, This is some really scary stuff. Can you imagine somebody – being somebody who's going out and, like, checking your garbage or, like, going to pull your garbage bin in and you find a body part?
1: You're not coming back from that. Like, that's so fucked up.
0: Like, how scary would that be?
1: Yeah. Well, because then, like, immediately I would be thinking things like, okay, is this person – know who I am? Are they watching my house now? Like, it yeah. would just be terrified of like not thinking that it was just a random thing and that I was being targeted in some way.
0: Yeah. And the fact is they found these body parts like 10 miles or more from her home. So it's not like it was just like her own garbage bin. It was like, he did this damage to her, put her body and gar- cut her up with a saw, basically a pruning shear saw. I mean, that It's really, really hard to do. Like, I I don't know what that looks like. I'm not going to say, hey, like, have you ever cut up a body? But evidently, from my understanding with listening to other informational shows about this sort of thing, it is very, very hard to cut up a human body. And to do it with a pair of pruning shears or like a pruning saw or like like a piece of yard equipment sounds insanely hard. This guy had to have been some crazy kind of mentally ill to be able to do that kind of shit.
1: And like they were dating for like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, you you crazy, think crazy. by a month like you're past that you like you're out of the danger zone, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: But as the primary suspect in Lynn's death, Charlton was arrested April 11th, 2016 and charged with first degree murder and auto theft. So he took her car. But I mean, I'm going to try to get into a little bit of the background on this to kind of discover what happened during this night that led up to this. But it's very interesting and challenging in some respects because Charlton claims that he blacked out on a downtown Seattle sidewalk and woke up with facial injury and cuts to his body. So he claims he doesn't remember anything after this whole thing happened. That he woke up on a sidewalk and was like, I don't remember anything that happened. Um, However, appearing in a King County courtroom Monday, October 2nd, 2017, which is pretty recent, Charlton pled Uh guilty to all charges against him, including the the murder and dismemberment of Lynn. On January 5th, 2018, he was sentenced to 27 years and nine months in prison. So he did not get life. He got 27 years.
1: So that probably wasn't first degree murder then, right?
0: I'm going to dig into this a little deeper and give more information on it. But just a GoFundMe page was set up in her name and raised over $270,000 for her because she has three daughters. Oh. Yeah. So fortunately and unfortunately, um, her death has led to a lot of discussion about the safety of online dating for obvious reasons, right? You just don't know. Like, I'll post a picture of this guy. He just looks so scary. I don't understand. I mean, granted, he probably didn't look this creepy, but he's got, like, this massive beard, and he just has this kind of crazy look about his face. And I don't know if that's just after knowing the facts of this case that I'm like, oh, hey, he looks crazy, or if that's really, you know, how I would have felt had I known had I not known that he killed a woman and cut her body up and put her in recycling bins.
1: Did he have any, he, any history of violence? Was that part of it or no? Yeah. He had assault like
0: previous assault charges. Oh, I
1: forgot. Yeah. I really so forgot.
0: <laughs> there was this other article about this case on the Seattle times, and I'm going to kind of cover off on some little pieces of it. Um, so basically, this woman went on a date with the, with John Charlton April in April two thousand sixteen, and then her body was later found wrapped in garbage bags in three different locations. So, so they
1: confirmed that all three of those locations
0: were her. Yeah, yeah. It's just so sad. Um, it says that her greatest joy in life was being a mother to her three young daughters. She was a healer and a humanitarian. By the way, this article is from the Seattle Times which is a local paper um, in Seattle, and they kind of delve a little bit deeper into this. Um, Lynn lived life large, even though she was very petite. The King County Superior Court Judge Julie Spector said of the 40-year-old nurse who was strangled and dismembered in a bathtub with a pruning saw. So she was strangled first, and then he cut her up. Um, God. Spectre read more than two dozen letters sent by Lynn's relatives, friends, colleagues, and neighbors describing a spirited and funny woman who loved her job at Swedish medical center, which is one of the bigger hospitals in Seattle through their stories. I feel like I've come to know her in some small way. And this is why I think it's really important to talk about these victims and to really put their name and their story out there in so much more of a magnified way than the killers. Yeah. So the judge addressed her Lynn's killer um, she told him Friday that she would look. She would lock him up for life if she could. Instead, she sentenced him to 27 and three quarter years in prison, the harshest sentence she could hand down under the state's sentencing guidelines. So this does not sound like he was convicted of first degree murder. Yeah. Um She said, "What you did was vicious and cruel beyond anyone's belief." Adding that Charlton's crime was made worse by what he did to her body after she was killed, dismembering her and disposing of her remains at different locations throughout Seattle's central district and for those of you who do not know Seattle well, the Central District is one of the more, like, inner-city areas, um, and it's down over around where the stadium is, because I understand that they went to a baseball game together um, at Safeco Field, or they were right. somewhere over by the baseball stadium, which is in a not-so-nice area of Seattle, the Central D- District is. I mean, they have areas that have been sort of gentrified, but it typically tends to be the more inner-city um gang-related, one of those type areas in Seattle.
1: Okay. Is it near the university?
0: No. I mean, it's probably 15, 20 minutes away, but it's down by the stadiums. Okay. And it's an inner city kind of an area. Okay. It says some of Lynn's remains have never been found. So the only good thing that Charlton did was pleading guilty to premeditated first-degree murder. So... It was a first-degree murder charge, but I think because he pled guilty, he must have gotten a plea bargain to be able to get only 27 and three-quarters yeah. years. But Yeah,
1: 27 for a first-degree and dismemberment is seems very, very, very And light. premeditated. So this is a premeditated. Right. Normally, I would think they
0: would give, for a first-degree murder case that was premeditated, you'd get the death sentence. So there must but have been...
1: asking cause I was asking, because like, I was wondering if maybe they were thinking, oh, we can't prove that he didn't black out, so we're right. going to charge a second degree? Yes. But that's have you I just looked up what a pruning saw is. Have you seen one of these?
0: We will post a picture of of the pruning saws on the Instagram feed, but like that must have been like I just don't understand how he could have done that as easily as he did.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think
0: Describe them for the for the listeners.
1: Um so it looks like there's a like they kind of look there's different types or whatever, but they all kind of look similar and that it's like a curved Blade. Um, and, uh, it's, they they look like they're about 14 inches long, just the blade part. And then some look like maybe they fold up and some, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's like a long, thin, serrated blade.
0: Yeah. And it
1: doesn't look... Like super heavy duty or, um,
0: no, like hardcore. It doesn't look like it's no. some, some sort of a tool that could be used to very easily cut through a body. Not to mention the fact that when you have pruning shears, they're not typically all that sharp unless the person that uses them sharpens them on a regular basis. Because once you start sawing into branches and trees and things like that, it dulls the blade pretty quickly.
1: Right. Right. Was it her pruning saw or was it his? It was hers. This was all at her house. Okay. So, so, yeah, then it probably wasn't sharpened. No,
0: which is just frightening. But um, Lynn's ex-husband, Phil, told um, said that Charlton stole his co-parenting and sounding board and his daughter's devoted and compassionate mother. There will be no more oh. motherly advice from Ingrid, no Fourth of July holidays in Big Fork, Montana, no more trips to the beach or Thursday night dinners at the steakhouse, he said. His children will never have a maternal grandmother.
1: Oh, that's so awful. That's yeah. so sad.
0: Our, continue, our daughters continue to thrive, but they miss their mother every day, Lynn said of his girls, Noelle, Brooke, and Reese, who were 10, 8, and 6 when their mother was killed. Mm. Friends said there are no words to describe the horror that everyone felt after learning of her death. Ingrid wasn't just murder, her body was brutally violated. Um, so wow. they basically called this guy a coward, saying he ran and tried to hide, then claimed he was too drunk to remember what he did. No one believes that story, she said. You ripped a beautiful person and a vibrant mother from her daughters. You took her from friends who loved her like a sister. So his attorney said she hopes her clients guilty plea and prison sentence provides Lynn's loved ones with a sense of closure and perhaps some peace. Yeah, right.
1: I mean, that's got to be a really tough job to be that defense attorney. I don't know.
0: know. But evidently his family came to court to support him during this, his trial. Yikes. Yikes. And he spoke briefly during the trial and said, I agree there are no words that can alleviate the pain I've caused. For that, I'm truly sorry. News of Lynn's... And for any explanation for why? No. So, news of Lynn's death horrified the city as her body parts were discovered over the course of several spring days in 2016. According to court records, Charlton and Lynn met online and had dated for a month and had planned to attend a Seattle Mariners game together on April 8, 2016. After the game, they went to a bar where Charlton got drunk, and then they returned to Lynn's house in Renton, Washington. Police say Charlton told detectives he woke the next morning on a sidewalk in downtown Seattle, which is where detectives later found Lynn's 2015 Toyota Highlander, a vehicle Charlton also pleaded guilty to stealing. So he killed her and then took her car. Yeah. But... Other than that, the fact that they had planned to attend this game, which it does not sound that they, it does sound that they went to the game. They they did go to the game together. They went to a Seattle Mariners game together as a date. He got totally hammered and then doesn't remember anything. What a fantastic date that is. Her phone was there, her purse, her wallet. Like clearly, he was either too fucking re- like ridiculously drunk to figure out how to hide any of it. But Bass, who later shared a photo. Ca- Oh, so Lynn's father and mother shared a phone account with their daughter. And they noticed numerous calls to and from a phone number with a Montana area code that were later traced to Charlton. She exchanged a few texts with Charlton, explained Lynn was missing and that the family had called 911. So basically she caught the mother, the parents of Lynn, of Ingrid reached out because they found his number on, the phone, on her phone and that there were recent calls to him and they like texted him prior to like finding out that he killed their daughter
1: that's pretty smart though
0: yeah heck yeah i think that's
1: just to have somebody on your like cell phone account yeah so it has access to stuff like that
0: who knows like i do think that cell phone evidence and being able to trace things they would have eventually found him but like it's crazy that he like responded back just like nothing happened and everything is normal and i don't know what happened to her
1: yeah, he's probably one of those guys that thinks like they're never going to catch on that it was me. I'm I'm too smart for this. Like I'm smarter than everybody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They always think like that.
0: So, when Charlton was arrested, he told detectives he was homeless, had a drinking problem, and was not a normal person. What? <laughs> it's just like it's so just bizarre funny. like on so many levels. Wow. Like I remember reading about this when the case came out and just being just like arrested? completely like insanely like could not believe this something like this could happen. Some additional information on this particular case is that this guy killed her in her own home, dismembered her in her own bathtub, and transported her in her own car to the locations where her remains were dumped. Can you imagine? So
1: and like ten miles away from her house. Yeah. He drove ten miles.
0: Yeah. With with her car. Wow. With her body in the car. But evidently police discovered bits of human flesh and blood in the bathtub drain of her home, and that's how they knew conclusively, because he wouldn't admit that he did anything. So there were some other documents that were filed in this case saying that he had told police that he had stayed the night at her home on prior occasions. So this was not the first time he had been to her home, because they had been dating for a while.
1: Either that or he's trying to explain why his DNA would be there.
0: Yeah. Um, Carl, Charlton said that he thought he had sex with her that night and believed she was behaving in a weird manner, but could not or would not provide further details. So he says that she was acting weird and that he is not exactly sure how he left, but he knows that he, dre- that he left and that she had drove him back to Seattle where he allegedly got out of the car and slept on the sidewalk.
1: That's horseshit.
0: Yeah. So he did not believe that Ingrid had any plans with any other individual that particular evening and asserted he spent the next couple of nights at the home of an ex-girlfriend. While being interviewed, police found that he had abrasions on his forehead, an injury to his lip and to his chin, scratches to his chest area, and an abrasion on his left hand. Although uh-huh. he denied having any injuries at all. So they did an in- inspection, checked him out and, and were like, oh hell no, you've got like all these little scratches, abrasions and all this other stuff. Clearly you've got shit going on. But his own yeah. parents once sought a restraining order against him, indicating he would drink heavily and fly into violent and abusive outbursts that left them worried for their own safety. So that's from court doc- but, but, directly from court documents with saying that he had a history of violence. He also had an extensive criminal history, as we know, Convicted of felonies in Montana and driving offenses in Washington State and then aggravated robbery in Utah. Um he also has an Idaho battery charge from two thousand nine. So like this guy clearly has like some fucked up past, but the weapon that he dismembered her with was a fifteen inch pruning saw. So court records indicate that Lynn texted a friend Friday around ten thirty five PM saying she was on a date. That was apparently the last anyone heard of her before she was discovered later. Mm-hmm. At the time she was reported missing, her Toyota Highlander was not in the driveway, so they were like, "Okay, somebody came, did something to her, and and took her." But they still right. had hope, maybe that she was alive, until they found the parts in the the recycling bins. Um, and that that
1: second. person that that their house, the the her body parts were in the recycling bin. They were completely unrelated, right? The 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 person where her body parts were put in the recycling bin, like that house, they were just completely unrelated, right? Just a random person. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So, the Seattle Times tells the story that a man returning home from a trip on Saturday at 4pm came across what appeared to be body parts inside a recycling bin behind his home. At the time, authorities told that the missing mother's body parts had been wrapped in translucent plastic trash bags and still
1: fresh. Ugh. So he's probably just driving around looking for somebody who still had recycling bins out and because this guy was out on a trip. Yeah. He hadn't brought up
0: a- Yeah. Since being taken into custody after, after Monday night, oh wait, since being taken into custody, phone records linked authorities back to John Robert Charlton, the self-described self-employed man, self-employed. <laughs> no, dude, yeah. you're homeless and unemployed. Don't yeah. like, don't try to fool people.
1: Self employed um, and unemployed are pretty much synonymous.
0: So originally they were gonna charge him with second degree murder. So I guess that's when they came to that conclusion that they were gonna allow him to plead guilty and okay. just save all the trouble for it. But scary.
1: Let that's me awful. see. Is there
0: anything else to I, add?
1: Is terrifying and, and we both know people who met um their spouses or partners and stuff online. Yeah. But It's just, it's so scary to think about.
0: Well, the fact that he had such a long past history of violence and scary shit is just like, Mm -hmm. how do you even? Like, reports say that his parents had filed a restraining order against him, which I mentioned a couple minutes ago. But um, on one occasion, he threatened his mother by telling her to watch the 2001 film Hannibal, starring Anthony Hopkins as a serial killer and a cannibal. So like, here you go, mom. Watch this movie. This is what I'm going to do to you. Oh, my God.
1: Does um does a restraining order show up on a background check? I believe that they do.
0: Because it's a matter... It's a criminal record, so it's a matter of public record.
1: Yeah, so as soon as you have a first and last name for somebody, do a record check because... Most of the time terrible. you
0: can find them, but sometimes it costs money to be able to like do like a detailed criminal background check on somebody. It just depends on how good you are at doing your internet searching, but... I honestly don't think it hurts to do a criminal background check on somebody. And before. No, like,
1: so much, it's not that expensive. Right.
0: It's like, no. yeah, And then before you like spend the night with somebody or like even go, but the thing is like, this was not their first date. This was not like their first right. interaction. Like he right. had pretty much pulled the wool over her eyes. Right. And gotten her to like have faith in him and trust and believe in him, even though he was homeless and jobless and <laughs>
1: Uh, this like how do, you, how do you pull that lie off that you, you're, I mean, you can pull off unemployed. You can just say like, you're a consultant or you're self-employed. You can, you can pull that lie off. How do you pull off homeless?
0: I don't like, even know. Although it's um,
1: just be at your house Does in all a car
0: in all fairness. No, he didn't have a car either, which is like even more fucked up part. But in all fairness, when my boyfriend and I first met, he, he was living in a hotel so he was essentially homeless.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he was going to a home. Yeah, I mean well, it was a hotel, but he was going somewhere yes. every night. He wasn't getting dropped off on a sidewalk,
0: and he had a and job like, like a, and a car.
1: To like a home, <laughs> this sidewalk. Like,
0: <laughs> but he would like make jokes about it and be like, "Oh yeah, I'm bringing homeless back," and I'd be like, "Um, no, <laughs> we're not doing that." <laughs> So in any case, this um, man was sentenced to 27 years, 27 and three quarters years for the murder of Ingrid. Um, it's a very, very sad and disturbing case. And it's just, I hope that her daughters don't, God, that's it, just so fucked up when people have small children and things like this happen. Because how do you explain to them that your mother is never coming back and that she died because some douchebag like went on a violent, drunken rampage?
1: In all honesty, they're probably old enough to understand it because of everything that's going on now. You know what I mean? But how
0: tragic is that? And how shitty is it that it has to impact so many other people's lives, too? Those poor girls.
1: 27 years is not
0: enough. No. I think he should have gotten life. But, like, you don't. It's these articles and Wikipedia and some of these other places that provide this information don't provide all the background information or court documents. So we don't really know what's going on in the background. We don't really know the alternative, um, facts and endings and all kinds of other things that were presented at the trial, unless you actually went to the trial. So we don't know what else is going on. And it's just really sad that no one will ever really know, possibly never know the background of what actually happened between them and what led to this tremendous act of violence against this poor woman. Yeah. But anyway, um, let's move on to the second case. And what do you have for us today, Darcy?
1: So we're going to talk about, um, Neil Falls. And this was a story that, um, this happened in 2015 in um, the summer of 2015, I believe. And, um, in West Virginia, a woman, um, she was, she had scheduled a date. She was a sex worker. Um, and she scheduled a date through Backpage. And they were going to meet at her house. And when he shows up to her house, he pulls a gun on her and he says just three words to her. He says, live or die. And he held a gun to her stomach. So they fought for about 10 minutes. Um, He grabbed her by the throat and dragged her around the house. And when they were in her kitchen, she um, was able to get a hold of like a rake that she had, I guess, probably by the back door or whatever. And she was going to try and hit him with the rake. And in order to get the rake out of her hand, he put his gun down. And that's when she was able to grab it. And um, she didn't turn around or anything. He was still just behind her. But she grabs the gun and points it behind her and shot and ends up killing him. So she calls
0: the police. (laughs) Good for her.
1: She calls the police. And when they get there... Um, obviously this was a self-defense thing. You know, there wasn't any question about that. But when they get there, they start looking into this person and they look in his car and what they found, um, in his car, he had a couple of sets of handcuffs, two axes, a machete, a bulletproof vest, and a shovel and a bottle of bleach. Sounds
0: like every serial killer's little kit, special serial killing killing
1: kit. Little kill kit.
0: Serial killer um, starter pack.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And uh, on his body, he didn't have any money, which if you are meeting somebody through Backpage, the assumption is you are exchanging money. Um, So why would he not have any money? And um, he also had a post-it note that had six women's names and phone numbers on it. These women were from all over the country. And there was actually one in San Diego um, because there's a... There's a picture of a post-it note, and when I was first looking at this, I saw the 858 area code, and I was like, 858? That sounds a lot like, if I remember correctly, North County, San Diego area code. Um, sure enough, so it was. So he, um, this Neil Falls guy, is, was originally from Oregon, but he had traveled across the country over the course of, like, the last six months of his life, and police were in contact with all the women listed on the post-it note. Five were from West Virginia, and one was from San Diego. So all of the women were alive, um, and the police told them that they may have been targets. That's kind of all we know about him, about who this person is. There's not a lot of info on his background. Once they found this kill kit and this list, they started looking at him in um, linking him to possible cases of missing women around the country. So, oh my god, um, missing and murdered women. So in Las Vegas between 2003 and 2006. He was living in nearby Henderson, Nevada. Um, and there were sex workers who were killed during those years. And there was another sex worker who disappeared around the same time. I believe this is also in the Las Vegas area. And, and uh, she was never found. There is a pretty famous story of missing women, missing and murdered women in um, Chillicothe, Ohio. And there was actually an, an investigation discovery special about this. It was a couple years ago, but I think it was called something about the vanishing women. Um, it was really good. And these it's Chillicothe—is it, it seems like it's a pretty small town in Ohio. Um, and these women, I don't know if they were sex workers. Do you remember from the show? They were all at one point dealing with addiction and things like that. Um, and these six women went missing and four of them were found murdered. Um, so they are looking at him as a possible link to those those uh, missing and murdered women. They haven't been able to establish a link yet, but the victims generally fit the profiles of the Nevada victims. And this is from the article, young women down on their luck suffering from drug addiction or involved in sex work. Yeah. Or both. So uh, there's also... Um,
0: so this is still ongoing. They're still doing research and still like looking it,
1: into this? It seems like it, but I can't find anything more recent than 2015. Um, but there's actually a lot more... About him than I remembered at the time. I kind of remember when this happened, and I think I remember seeing that one of the uh, area codes was San Diego, and that's when I lived there. So obviously, kind of piqued my interest. But um,
0: I'm sure the police wish this would go away. Like, evidently, from what I understand, Police in over 20 states during his life stopped him, for, but he didn't get any serious right. criminal charges. So he was stopped Those over 20 just, separate times by police, and they didn't—they right. never found so may, anything.
1: Mostly just for, um, like, traffic violations. Let's see. And there is a video of up online that you can look at. Um, I'll send you the link, and we can post it, of the, um, the, the woman who ended up killing him. There's a video of her interview with the police, and it's very real. Like, you can steal— like she's still terrified because it's, it's right after it happened. We'll play a clip uh,
0: from that. Let, we'll, let's insert it here.
2: Police in West Virginia seem to have quite the case on their hands. A man killed by a woman he attacked in her home may have been a serial killer himself. Mark Albert spoke with investigators who believe the dead man may be connected to murders in three states. Police say 45-year-old Neil Falls was answering an online ad for an escort when he showed up to this Charleston, West Virginia home. This woman, Heather, who doesn't want her last name used, answered the door. She says Falls, armed with this gun, asked her live or die and then started choking her.
1: When he strangled me, um, he just
0: wouldn't let me get any air and so I grabbed my rake and when he laid the gun down to get the rake out of my hands, I... I shot him. I just
1: grabbed the gun and shot behind me.
2: Heather ran out of the house and flagged down a neighbor, who called nine one one.
1: She had to send herself, and she saw him. She's in the kitchen. He pulled a gun on her. She got cuts and stuff all over.
2: Inside Falls's car, detectives found a machete, axes, knives, a shovel, and a sledgehammer, bleach, plastic trash bags, a bulletproof vest, and four sets of handcuffs. Now, police are investigating whether he could be connected to the murder or disappearance of nine women across three states, Ohio, Illinois, and Nevada. Evidence found with dismembered bodies outside of Las Vegas, where Falls used to live, is similar to an item found in his car. And all the women were escorts, most of whom advertised online. Steve Cooper is with Charleston Police. It's likely that Mr. Falls is a serial killer. I believe she saved lives by shooting Mr. Falls based on what he did to her, and based on the items uh, that were found in this car. Police are not charging Heather for the shooting, which they say was in self-defense.
1: I knew he was there to kill me. Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, So so this other article, um, CBS News says that they are investigating whether he was connected to the disappearances or deaths of nine women in three states. So Ohio, which we talked about, Illinois, and Nevada. Let's see if I can find the one about the Illinois. So if you
0: Google this guy, there are pictures of some of these victims. Right. Just so sad.
1: He, um, so he rented in Nevada. He was renting a room. Um, (laughs) and I believe he's working like as security at the Hoover Dam or something. And his, they talked to his roommate, or the person that he was renting a room from, um, and she was like, he wasn't really, I mean, he was just kind of whatever, he owned a lot of guns, he had a whole lot of guns, um, and at one point he changed the door on his room to, he changed the deadbolt to where only he had a key, but he just said that was because he was a security guard and he owned a lot of guns. And like, I think the person was like, you know, it's not that big a deal, he just owned a lot of guns. And I'm like, hmm. I don't know, seems like a big deal to just own a lot of guns. Collect guns, different. Owning a lot just a lot of guns.
0: So first of all, crazy. I wanna say, like, how badass is this woman for like fighting this fucker and killing him? Right. like, I'm like I wanna high five her. Right. And then like, yeah. can you imagine? She must have been terrified, first of all, because she's like, Okay, I just killed this person. She had no idea he was a serial killer. So she probably thought, oh my god, I'm going to jail for the rest of my life. And right. I'm a prostitute or slash sex worker. So God knows, like they're, they're going to throw the book at me. And then to find right. out, Oh no, you're good. You did us all a favor.
1: Starter kit in his, in his car. Like, I just can't even imagine like, cause you're, you're probably still at home when the police come and they are looking at his car. Right. And it was a Subaru. So like, there is like a little hatchback, whatever. And so they open up the hatchback and they're like, what do we have here? Oh, we have a couple knives. Um, we have some sets of handcuffs, a couple axes, a goddamn machete. Why would you need a shovel and some bleach? Like, what are we doing here? Can you imagine, like, just hearing the inventory of the things that this person who came to your house
0: yeah. had in his heart? Like, There's just, a Jesus picture Christ. of the exhibits. Like, there was more than one axe. It was like a sledgehammer and like a couple yeah, of, <laughs> of too. A couple of axes, a shovel, like a bunch of not like. This is not a serial killer starter kit. This is a full on. I'm an expert serial killer, I will teach a serial killer 101 class at the local community college, kind of a kit,
1: right? Yes, he has done his research, um, and if he hadn't already murdered women, which it seems like people think that he had, um, then he was definitely about to start.
0: Clearly this was not his first rodeo. It doesn't Um, seem to be. (laughs) And the really tragic thing about all of this is, not necessarily these dead, because good riddance. I'm sure the earth is a right. much better place without his sorry ass. But the fact that there these families for these women that have been murdered and don't know how, why, where they are, will never find closure because right, it's
1: and they don't know, and and they've got his DNA obviously, and they're they put it in national databases, um, and they're comparing it to scenes of murders. Um, I know specifically in in the Nevada when they were comparing it to but I have not found any results and it seems like I guess maybe it was inconclusive um because it seems like if they had been able to link him that would have been a more recent article about that but well
0: it's my understanding just from having spoken to some criminal experts and forensics people that the odds of finding clear good usable DNA at at a crime scene are actually pretty low so I've heard
1: that too yeah
0: and then and a lot of times they'll find information, but it, it's not good information. So people just think in, in many ways that it's like CSI where they just bust into the crime scene and there's like 10 sets of usable fingerprints and the person left semen right. and like it's so easy to find out who did this. That is actually not the case when it comes to many crimes that are perpetuated across this country. So it can be extremely challenging and people just think, well, oh, they're just going to pull this guy's DNA evidence and they'll be able to link him with all these killer killings across the country. That is a lot more challenging, obviously, yes. from cases like this, um, than people think it is.
1: And, and every time you test DNA, you lose a little bit of that sample. And, and the technology is getting better to where you can use less and less of that sample. But if you've already used so much up until this point, you don't have anything left when the technology is really good, you know. So it's it's kind of a like sometimes you'll hear about like labs that will, for whatever reason, they won't have tested something, and then twenty five years later they finally have the technology to test the little tiniest bit that they had left over, and that's how they solve something. So right, perhaps happening but that also so because they don't know how many murders he was responsible for um they're looking at him in a lot of different cases and there are actually a lot of unsolved cases along the freeway system in america that could be linked to one or likely more than one serial killer and there's a couple interesting stories that we'll talk about uh on a future episode about that
0: i can't wait because like some of them there's one in particular that i'm thinking of i think the woman that was killed was regina k walters or water's that okay. we're definitely going to have to have a conversation about just there's so many like crazy cases of these long haul truckers because mm-hmm. they're going they have these trucks with a, like a essentially a bedroom in the back and they're moving transporting cargo from state to state to state. So them being able to get away with the crime and the odds of them being able to murder somebody and get away with it seem like it's so much better for them because they're gone. They're not yeah, around they're
1: not from one place for very long at all.
0: So and many of them are not have, in any kind of criminal database. So it's not like you could catch the DNA right. off this, put it in and plug it in and find your guy.
1: And people that, um, frequent like truck stops are often more of like a transient population yeah. too. So it's not as a people like even customers are e- like easily tracked.
0: So, they're gone. They're not around these scenes anymore. So unless this person perpetuates a crime and is taken in and fingerprinted, there's they could literally get away with this and be out there for life well, after killing and, people.
1: And the other part is that is that they can, you know, abduct somebody in one state and then dump their body in another state. And then the, the police have no idea how to even identify this body.
0: Yeah. And, you know. the, and and in some cases, the, these guys are good at what they do because they have practiced and done it many times, and they can hide a body and no one will ever find it. So that person just disappears and is never heard from again. Yeah. It's just yeah. Don't ever truly take long haul
1: tr- <laughs> Right. That's the that's the take home message. Every time I see like a semi or like on the side of the road, I'm like serial killer, serial killer, serial killer. And to think
0: about in the past years, how many people would hitch rides with these guys thinking, oh, you know, it's innocent. He's just a truck driver. Like I'm not in any harm or danger. And they look innocent and they just seem like this, you know, slightly overweight, you know, mild mannered, mellow dude. And. They don't re- realize until it's too late that it's dangerous as fuck, and they're they're dead because this guy is a psychotic serial killer. I think is unless there's anything else you want to add on that, we're, we are going to do a second um, episode, a part two of this related to some of the cases that they are possibly associating with Neil Falls. Correct? Yeah. And the reason that we're doing this in two parts is because there's just a lot of information to unpack. About the cases that he is, that they're trying to link him to across the highway system and in the interstates and truck driving routes and things of that nature. So we will talk a little bit about that more in the next episode. So stay tuned. Uh, anything yeah, else? Yeah,
1: down a real uh, rabbit hole.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, I think that there are a lot of those cases, and it's like a spider's web yeah of people that are linked with certain things and and there are serial killers that have been found that are now linked with certain things and it's it's pretty crazy so that being said we're gonna wrap up the episode for the day Um, social media where are we at with that
1: on twitter we are at the bfd podcast and we are at the same on instagram is that right at the bfd podcast correct
0: Okay. So we'll post some really cool pictures from the show today. Some of the pictures of the victims. Some of the pictures of the perpetrators. Some of the pictures of the the items found in the trunk of Neil Falls. Um, And And then, obviously, a little bit of the clip of the stuff that we played earlier. Um, we'll post the video link, the full video link on in the show notes. So in the meantime, so long, farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send us an email. We'd love to hear from you guys. Our email address is thebfdpodcast at gmail.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild stuff. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your best life. Bye.